is Jesus. And he's the same he was yesterday, today, and forever. The God who met you in the wilderness, the God who called Moses and said, I want you to, to take my people and to deliver them to the promised land. That God of the Old Testament is the same God that we see here revealed as Jesus Christ. Nothing has changed. The God that inaugurated all these customs and rituals and laws and all these things, that God, the God of grace and mercy and truth, is the same God that now has lived a perfect life and died a death on the cross and resurrected from the dead. Same God, the God of yesterday. The one that led you through the desert is Jesus Christ. He hasn't changed. And now he's revealed himself in flesh and blood as the embodiment of truth, the way, the truth, and the life. So imagine them hearing that. He says, I want you to remember that that same God that, that fulfilled all these promises and made all these promises to your, your, your forefathers. Remember them. that that's the same God that we're talking about here. The same God who created the, the entire universe, the creator God who, who's sitting at the right hand of God. That's the same God. He hasn't changed. He's still with you. And he's still leading you, but the difference now, there's a new covenant, and now he's leading you to a new city where there's no more sin and death and sorrow. That the old is gone, the new has come, and now it's been inaugurated by this Messiah, this Messiah that we were waiting for. He has come. So yesterday, but also today, I, I love the, the, the way the writer talks about uh, the, the todayness, if you will. Verse 5, keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have for you. He has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what, what man can do to me. The this, this same Jesus who, who led them in the desert is now the same God who's with you today. What a comforting text. Great commission, Matthew 28. I am with you to the very end of the age. He's right here with you. He, he's still leading you. This isn't a, a celebration of an old deity or an idea or a philosophy, but it's a, a living God who's alive and well leading us now toward this new city. We catch that in Hebrews. If you remember, uh, Blaine preached uh, beautifully through the, these texts in, in uh, chapter 4 of Hebrews, verse uh, 6. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day today, saying through David, so long afterward, and the words already quoted, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. There's an invitation today. Don't ignore this voice, this Jesus who, who calls out to his sheep and draws them in. He's alive and well, working right in the midst of whether your life is going really well right now or things are just going off the tracks. Today, this Jesus is here, that he's living, that he's ruling, that he's reigning, that he's sustaining all things by his power and his grace for his glory and our joy. And then forever, forever. This is the, the eternal God, past, present, future, forever. He's the eternal God sustaining all things. He doesn't lie. He doesn't change. We saw that last week in chapter 12, this kingdom that can't be shaken in, in Hebrews 12, 26. Um, at the same time, the, uh, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase yet more indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming 
fire forever. This God does not change. This kingdom cannot be shaken. It doesn't matter what's going on in politics or the weather or, or, or how our hearts feel at this moment. This kingdom is unshakable because it's eternal, because it's inaugurated by an eternal God. So, so Christian people should be so filled of hope each day, even as we look around us and it feels like everything just seems to be falling apart as we say, no, 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 there's a city that's to come and there's a city beyond the city. And even if the chiefs lose today, I'm going to be okay. <laughs> right? Amen. Somebody like, I don't know, maybe, I, it just depends. I mean, it depends on what Mahomes does, if he can, you know, whatever. But, but, but the reality is, right, this is so applicable to us each and every day, how our jobs go, how our marriages go, how parenting goes, how our sickness or health goes, is because every day we can be reminded that there's a, a Jesus who's been resurrected for the, from the dead, and if we are trusting in him, that same resurrection as, as ours, so if things go really well in Africa or they go horrible, we can know that there's a city beyond the city that God is inaugurating and making all things new where there's no more sin and no more death and no more tears and no more injustice that's what keeps us going each day but if all of our hope is in what our latest you know instagram feed looks like and if we're measuring up to that or or, or what's going on in the world or, or what's and it's not that we're indifferent to those things but we know there's a god who's making even those things new who's redeeming all things so what so what, Pastor? What does this mean for me that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, forever? What does this mean that Jesus is inaugurating this new city, a city to come where there's no more sin and tears and death? And I think what this is calling us to, this, this, these passages, is an act of faith. And that's why the, the text kind of moves where it does. And I wish I had more time to kind of unpack a lot of these things. But, but there's all these encouragements and imperatives and commands that kind of say, if Jesus is the same yesterday, it, it changes how we live our lives. That when you get up next to Jesus, everything changes. And I find it interesting that Jesus Christ never gets any um, center stage when it it comes to how to to think about money and how to think about marriage and how to think about loving our neighbors in the press. It's kind of silly. I mean, he is the most intelligent human being on the face of the the earth that ever was. He is God. He is full of wisdom and truth. And yet Jesus gets no love, right? We're smarter than, than God, right? And yet this document is so profound for a first century context that's saying, even in a world that doesn't believe what you believe, here's some encouragements that as you come up next to this Jesus, as you look to this Jesus who is the same yesterday, today, forever, it's going to change everything, how you see the entire world and how you live your life. So let brotherly love continue. That when we get up next to brother Jesus, we're able to love the way he loved us. That he welcomed us into his his family, that we can never be the same. Think, think about in verse two, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. We're hospitable people. Why? Because God invited us into his family. That's what hospitality is all about. It's not fix yourself up, look a certain way, act a certain way. Then you can come into my life. It's he comes even after his enemies. And there's a good chance an angel might even show up. Do you remember the story of, of, of Daniel when the, his friends were in the furnace and this angel shows up? Who's that angel? Most scholars think it was Jesus. He shows up and saves them and redeems them. It's a little picture, these little typologies all through the Old Testament that you never know how God's going to show up in mysterious, supernatural ways and he might redeem or do something amazing. So be open to what God might be doing. So we become hospitable people because God has been hospitable to us. The, the writer talks about those being in prison. They're, these people were in, imprisoned. And, and he says, remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them and those who are mistreated since you also are in 
the body. He says, he says, relate to them. This is your body. This is your brothers. This is your sisters. You're the body of Christ. So, so as Jesus has suffered, as he has gone out and become imprisoned by sin for a moment and, and imprisoned by death for a moment, now think about how you connect to this suffering Christ. Now go love your brothers and sisters that are in prison. They're without hope because you remember what it was like to be without hope in the world. How about marriage? We keep the marriage, verse 4, we keep the marriage bed, bed pure, knowing it's designed for one person in a covenantal relationship. To give ourselves to someone else other than our spouse is to become one flesh with that other person, to, to give our souls to another. We would never want to do that. But, but marriage is also an expression and a picture of Jesus' love to the church, his faithfulness, even when we are not. That's what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5. This Jesus has been faithful to us. It's why we're faithful to our spouses in very imperfect ways. That this Jesus, the same that's yesterday, today, and forever, always is changing us, always is moving towards us and speaking into every part of our, our lives to say this isn't the best way to live. And, and, and especially on this, this score, it's like we can try to say, well, we're going to redefine what that means, and if someone loves each other, it doesn't really matter. But have you ever sat with someone that, that's been intimate with someone that's not their spouse and how that goes years later? It doesn't go very well. There's a lot of pain and wounds there, if we're honest. Why? Because we gave our soul to another person. We didn't commit ourselves fully to them. We said, well, we're just going to kind of see how things, things go. But when we do that, right, the, the, the soul is wounded. Why? Because we're created for a, a relationship that's, that's man and woman together, soul to soul, flesh to flesh. You become one with that person. How about contentment? Right? That's a hard one in our culture, would you say? Verse 5, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Very interesting here. He's not saying there's anything wrong with money, but he says there's a problem with the love of money. Why is there a problem with the love of money? Because when you love something so deeply, you begin to sacrifice for that thing. And so you give an inordinate amount of energy and time and resource to something that's going away. And he says, you need to learn how to be content. Why? Because Jesus has been with you. He's everything that you need. Money cannot give you that. Like, here's the weird thing about money. And I'll just be honest. <laughs> Can we be honest? I know it's church. Um, whether you have a lot of it or a little of it, it seems like you're always never happy. Can we be honest? Right? It's like we've had a lot, we've had none, and it just seems like it's like, well, we just need a little more. Yeah, you have some, but we need a little more, and we don't have any. It's like we're not happy because we need more, or, or we're trying to be content, but right? It's just this weird dichotomy. We have a lot, we have a little. It just seems like we have these struggle with this contentment, right? And it's not to say, hey, there's times where, yeah, I could lose a little more cash, amen? Right? I got some bills to pay, let's be honest, right? Babies aren't cheap. Right? They'd stop eating. You know, maybe I could save on my Costco bill, but that's just not coming anytime soon. Just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Are my kids in here? Okay, they're not in here. We're good. We're safe. But, but it's learning to be content. When you're not content in Jesus, what happens? You look to all kinds of things to be that thing for your soul that God has created for. Right? It could be money. It could be people. It could be relationships. It could be power. It could be ministries. It could be starting things. It could be whatever it is. And so when we get up next to Jesus, he says, I want you to be content in me. I want you to know that I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love you. And there's a city to come that's greater than anything you can imagine. No big house. No little house. No money. No money. Whatever it is. I have everything that you need. Man, if our culture was more content, we'd see a very different culture. Things just go off the rails when we think we need more and more and more. 
talk about leaders. Remembering those who speak the word of God to us in verse 7. This message of Jesus, as they follow their, their chief shepherd, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider their outcome, their way of life, and um, imitate their faith. This exhortation is, is to say, hey, hey these, 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 these leaders in your, your church, they're, they're following this chief shepherd. They're following this same Jesus, the, the, the yesterday, today, and forever Jesus. Follow them as they follow their, their shepherd. And later he's going to say, don't do that begrudgingly. Don't, don't, don't help them do that with joy. Don't, don't complain. Don't make it difficult for them to do that. They want to serve you well. So I love serving New City Church for the most part. I mean, most of you are not a pain in my neck. But some of you are. Um, but there's Hebrews 13 gives us, you need to let me serve with joy. Don't, 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 make, don't be a pain. <laughs> no, that, that's, right, as I follow Christ, as I, I'm held accountable, right? I'm not above, I'm, I, I'm, I'm not above reproach. So that you need to come and hold me accountable as well so that we can serve in joy together. That it shows you how to do leadership. That there's a God has placed certain leaders in our lives for good, for our good. Now I know people screw that up, and I, I know everyone's you know suspect of anyone that has authority or anyone has a leadership. But you know what? I've been around a lot of faithful, loving, godly men and women that lead people very, very well. And just because we we pinpoint the ones that are on the media, the people falling on their their faces, I, I know it happens because we're we're weak and we're we're um, infallible. We're fallible, I should say. Um, but there's a lot of people, as they follow this Jesus, they can lead them in a way. They can say, as I follow Christ, follow me imperfectly. Yes, all the way down. But trust that they, they care for you. And later he's going to say, because they care for your souls. They care for your good. They want you to grow. They want you to thrive. They want you to grow up in Christ and experience all of his blessings, all of his, his joys. Be careful of false teachings that aren't about the grace of God. He even talks about the food we eat and how we enjoy the pleasures uh, of life. Did you, did you catch that in, in, in verse uh, 9? Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve that, the tent have no right to eat for the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. There's, there's still those that were in the church at this time kind of saying, well, we, we need to still do these rituals, these food sacrifices to God to, to appease God. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Anything that doesn't have grace in it, run. Because this gospel message is all about grace. That God has made even the food that we get to enjoy good. He's redeemed it. It's come from a good heavenly Father, right? We don't have to put rules and laws and regulations on it. That's actually what's going on in our culture right now, our kind of foodie culture. We can't touch those carbs. Do not touch the carbs. You touch the carbs, you're dead, (laughs) right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's all paleo these days, right? And so we, we put these laws and these regulations on food. We can't even enjoy a cookie without feeling shame or guilt, right? I don't have that problem. I was in the kitchen last night. My wife made fresh baked cookies. Oh, I was going to town. No guilt or shame. I was just praising Jesus. Thank you for chocolate chip cookies. Let's go. Right? Thank you for, you know, bacon, right? Um, thank you, Peter, for getting that vision on the, on the top. When you saw so all those dirty animals and Jesus was like, no, no, bacon, eat up. Let's go. Right? So thankful. Praise God. 
But what we do is we put laws and regulations on everything, and then we can't enjoy all these good things that God's given us. So he says, if there's a message that is not full of grace and it's about laws and earning and, and, and you can't enjoy anything, run. Because the whole thing is built on grace. The whole thing is built on grace. Because Jesus suffered outside the camp and there's no more sacrifices to be made. We can enjoy that piece of bacon or whatever our favorite thing is because we have no lasting city that's to come. And, 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 and I think this is a, a beautiful text, is, is that, that it makes us, if we go down to, to verse 16, it makes us this generous people as well, because this Jesus of yesterday, today, and forever, the one that has inaugurated a new city that is to come. Notice what he says. He says, 15, through him, then let us continue offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share with what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is a profound text, and this has everything to do with the grace I just talked about. He's saying, there's nothing to earn here, guys. It's all been done by this Jesus. So what's your response? Okay, God, how can we make you happy? How can we be more obedient? How can we follow these laws and commands? Of course we want to follow God's commands and his ways, of course. But he's saying, what Jesus has accomplished for us now, our response is, let us do good to others. Right? Let's give our lives away. Let's give our money away. Let's give our stuff away because we're so content in this Jesus. Whether we have a lot of money or no money, it doesn't matter. We've been freed from sin and death and hell. And, and now this grace has come to us. So let us continually praise God and thank God for that free gift. And let us live generous lives and good lives in every way, from the small things to the big things. I, I love serving this church. I know I'm bragging about you guys, but I just see the way you guys serve in small ways and big ways. And I know the danger is always when you do like a commissioning or something, it's like, well, jeesh, I guess, you know, I'm not going to Africa. You know, what, what, what good am I, right? I'm, you know, plunge a toilet, right? Sometimes that needs happening. Fix your kids a meal. Sometimes that needs happening. Help your neighbor mow their lawn. Sometimes that's what needs to happen, right? It's, it's, not, it's not we don't put in these categories, well, what the, the youngs are doing is noble. What Ryan, planting a church, well, that's great, but what am I doing? I'm just an engineer, right? No. As we see this Jesus and as we are so filled with gratitude for his grace and his love in our lives, guess what? We do good for all. We bring meals to a family that, you know, just had a baby or is sick or, right? We, we help out the, the old lady across the street because she can't mow her lawn. Well, whatever it is. And that's what's so fun about being a follower of Jesus. Good works, there's, there's no, just, it's left up to our imagination and there's no limit to what we can do for the glory of God. But we do it not to earn our salvation, but because we're already his. Because we already belong to him. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't do it in insecurity, like look at me. Look at how spiritual I am. Look how I'm helping everyone. No, no. We do it as a sacrifice to God, as a pleasing aroma, as a living sacrifice, as Paul would say in Romans 12, because of what he's already done for us. And that pleases the heart of God. Because we understand the grace that's been given to us. There's nothing we can add to it. And so our whole lives are just lives of praise and doing good and serving others and considering others better than ourselves. I've already mentioned obeying your leaders. I'd like to spend a whole sermon on obeying your leaders and submitting to them. There's nothing fancy in the Greek here. It just says that's what you need to do. Just obey and submit to me, okay? No fancy exegesis here. No, 
No, but but they're because they're keeping watch over your souls. They care about you. That's that's what I pray for. That's what I, I long for. I mean, you may think, well, you just work on Sundays. I you know I, I I plead over, and when I see lives going off the tracks, it's like God help them. There's nothing I can do. I'm I'm totally helpless. But let us do that in a way that we can all do it with joy. God loves when we serve in joy. One of the questions I ask my elders every year as we check in with elders and deacons is to say, can you serve another year with joy? I don't want begrudging leaders. I don't want people that it's just a task. It's just something I have to do. It's like, no, I want you to know that you have the capacity this next year to serve with joy. The fact that this joy has come to you, I want you to be able to serve with joy and serve God's people with joy. And I can tell you unequivocally from, from almost 10 years, I have been able to serve this church with joy. And I give you guys credit for that. Not because there hasn't been hard things or church discipline or painful things and, and, and loss and people, you know, send me nasty emails. Oh, that's all part of the game. <laughs> but to watch God work in and through you in a million different ways and, and to be able to serve with joy is, is such a blessing to be here. But we want to keep each other accountable to that. Can, can we serve with joy together? Can we keep doing that together? You don't need a pastor who just does it for a paycheck, believe me. He won't last very long. Or, or has some ego, right, that, that needs to prove something, insecurity, whatever it is. And you could all say, well, that's, isn't that you? No, no. I mean, probably on some days. But let's do that without, and I don't want to do it with groaning or grumbling because that's not helpful to you or anybody else. So if you, you see me doing that, you see any of our elders doing that, call us out, please. I don't want to do it with grumbling. There's days I, I grumble. I mean, I'm like, I'm like the Israelites, right? I, I just amen to them. Like, I get it. I totally get it. Let's just go back to the Egypt. We said money over there, right? Pray we live 18 honorably and consistent lives worthy of the call in which we've been called. Let's, let's live such consistent lives that, that anyone that would try to indict us would say, no, that's just not true of us. That we live, again, not perfect lives, but, but, but honorable lives, consistent lives, right? There's, there's so many verses in scriptures that talk about living these lives as we serve others, as we help others, that they will praise God in heaven. By our good deeds, they will glorify God in heaven. We want to say there's no indictment against us. You can throw us in jail. You can, can end our, our lives. But the thing that is true, our consciences are clear that we love God and we love people. And yes, we do that in imperfect ways, but pray that we can do that even for all of us. Now, this isn't for pastor. This is all of us as a, as a community, that our light would truly shine in our city. And then I, I love how we get to the end of this chapter and the benediction. Verse 20, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Jesus is ultimately the one we look to for any of these things. He's the one that's given us peace. He's the one who, who, when we were enemies, when we were far off, when we were living in the world without any hope, he came to us and said, I'm giving you my peace. I'm bringing you into the family. I'm giving you a new, renewed, right relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. That it's his peace that's with us. 
regardless of what's going on. And I can only imagine a first century document written to a people that are persecuted, that, that are, their lives are being torn down, their homes are being burned, they're being thrown in prison. And, and he says, remember this resurrected Jesus that has now given you his peace, that there is this city that's going to, to come and all of this is going to be done away with one day. I just need you to just trust him and keep on going. The peace of God is with you. And that's why we say almost every Sunday, peace and grace, grace and peace be with you. That's why the New Testament letters talk that way. This peace of God. As you live these kinds of lives, as you live this out in the world, know that God's grace and God's peace is with you. And that's why the end of the chapter ends with grace be with all of you. Could it be more fitting to end a letter about Jesus? Grace be with all of you because all of us need not only the saving grace of Jesus but also his grace that's sufficient to sustain us each and every day through the hard times when we just don't want to be generous <laughs> when marriage is hard when parenting is hard when work is hard when our bodies are breaking down we need God's grace and God's mercy each and every day when we don't know what tomorrow is going to hold when it feels like the world is falling apart grace and peace be with you. This is God's grace and God's peace speaking that over us to say this is the only way we're going to live any kind of lives that make any sense is if God's grace and peace is with us. We just don't have it in us, right? All of us think we have it in us, like on those days when everything's just going right. Like you wake up in the morning, right? You just had like 13 hours of sleep for the first time in like nine years, right? You just have your, your protein shake and the sun's out, right? It's not raining. Like the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl and, you know, everything is working. And you're just like, yeah, it's all me. It's easy to live in that place. But when it's hard and it's difficult and I'm still called to love my wife and my kids and my church, I need God's grace and I need his peace. <laughs> what a fitting way to remember that this Jesus, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it's all by his grace. And we are trophies of that grace. And every week we have a, a reminder, a, a visible reminder that it's all grace. When we take the Lord's Supper, it's the bread represents the body that was broken for us, all grace. The blood that was shed for us, all grace. That Jesus comes to his enemies. He says, I'm coming to you. I'm going outside the city. I'm going to die a horrific death outside the city so that you can come into the city of God. That you can be part of my family. That's what he's done for us. And as we see that, and as we think on that, as we, we, our hearts begin to, to well up in thanksgiving, we receive that in faith, that's exactly what Hebrews says is going to happen, is you're going to continually praise God, and you're going to do all kinds of generous good things out of a response to this God who's come to you. So every week we need this meal, we need this reminder that the whole thing is grace. I know for some of us, we kind of go, yeah, I, I get that. But maybe along the road, you, you've heard messages, or you, you've had people in your life that it seems like it's really not about grace. I've kind of made a mess of things. And it seems like everywhere I go, it's just you're, you're bad, you're evil, you're this, you're that. And I want to tell you this morning that that's not the gospel. The gospel always starts with grace and behavior comes later. <laughs> thank, thank heavens, right? It's not the other way around. If it's what I do, how I live, and then grace, that's not the gospel. That's religion. That's I'm accepted because I'm a good person, not accepted because of the mercies of Christ and banking my life on him. 
So if you're in that place and you, you understand grace, and you understand this Jesus who came and lived and died and rose from the dead, please come and celebrate the supper with us. We break The way we do, we have two lines in the front. We break off a piece of the bread. We dip it in the cup. We have some gluten-free, uh, nut-free bread there in the middle. If you have any kind of allergies, please feel free to take that. And if you're not a believer in Christ, you're not sure about this Jesus yet, we just ask you to stay seated. But we'd love to chat with you about that sometime. We have some prayers in our city life you can think on and, and reflect on those, those things uh, together. So with that, let us, let us pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What a fitting way to end the book of Hebrews. What a fitting way to send the youngs to South Africa. What a fitting way to celebrate baptism, that the whole thing is grace. And, oh God, how we need that grace this week as we go to work, as we feebly try to love our spouses, our friends, our neighbors, our kids, as we do the work you've called us to, how we need your grace, oh God. But may we as a people, as New City Church, heed the call of of Hebrews 12 to keep looking to this Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, where all of life is found, where all of human history is headed. Help us believe that today. Help us walk in that today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come and celebrate the Lord's Supper with us.